Once again, thank you so much for joining us today, and we thank you for uh, being part of this uh, session. In the next few weeks, we'll talk about how to get emotionally healed, or how to respond to offense. God is serious about our emotional healing. Remember, the quality of our lives and the relationships is determined by our emotional health. You can't have a healthy relationship when you're not emotionally healthy. Emotionally healthy people live a better quality of life. Emotionally healthy people are much happier than those that are not emotionally healed or those that are still wounded emotionally. Emotionally healthy people have better and stronger relationships than those that are not emotionally healthy. Things and situations you know, that we have gone through in life, they can either make us better or they can make us bitter in life. So we choose how we want to, to respond. It all depends on how we respond to situations. But let me remind you that situations that are offensive, they will always come in our lives. All of us, at some point, will come across offensive situations. We have a choice. Our only choice that you have is how do you want to respond to that situation. Every response is attached to a consequence. We choose the response, but you cannot choose the consequence that is attached to your response. You know, we can become better or we can become bitter based on our response to a situation. Offense or disappointment Always they happen when people do not do what we expect them to do. Or they do what we expected them not to do. Disappointment is a gap between our, our expectations and the reality. If you have this high expectation, and then as you move on with life, the reality, you know, it hits you at this level, the lower level of what you expected. The gap between your expectations and the reality it's what we call disappointment. Which means the smaller the expectations, the smaller the disappointment. The bigger the expectation, the bigger the disappointment. All people who offended you, it, what they did is that they did something that you did not expect. Or they did not do what you expected them to do. And you get offended. That's all that happened. Some people offended you because they said things that you did not expect them to say. Some people offended you because they left you unexpectedly in a relationship. Or they behaved in a way that you did not expect them to behave. Remember, if you do not expect anything from a person, that person will never ever disappoint you. That person will never ever offend you because you did not expect anything from that person. If I can ask you, what do you expect from the president of, say, maybe from China or the president of, of, of Nigeria or the president of, uh, of Bulgaria or whatever country? You don't have any expectations from them. That's why you will never get offended with them. That's why you will never, you will never be disappointed with them because you don't have any expectations of them. But your local councilman, your local uh, MEC, your local principal, your local manager, they will disappoint you because you have some expectations of them. 
politicians dis I mean they, they disappoint you because you, you have some expectations of them there are things that you expect from them and then they disappoint you your husband will disappoint you your wife will disappoint you at some point in life your parents will disappoint you your friends will disappoint you your children will disappoint you your colleagues will disappoint you your manager, your director, your pastor will disappoint you. Your leader will disappoint you. Why? It's because you have, you have some expectations of them. It's because you, you have some things that you expect from them. And that's why they disappoint you. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, it will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. It's very interesting here. God, you know, he acts like a security guard. He decides what he allows and what he does not allow to reach you in life. And our responsibility is we choose. We have a free will to choose on how we want to respond to those situations. Do you remember Job? No, the devil could not touch him without God's permission. And the same thing happens with you also. Anything that happens in your life, if God did not want it to happen, he would have stopped it. He would have stopped it. But the question is, how do you respond when those situations come? How do you respond? God only allows situations that he knows you have the capacity to handle it. To come to you. And the situations that he knows are beyond you. He does not allow them. He does not allow you to see them. I like good news translation. It says, the very same First Corinthians 10, 13. It says, every test that you have experienced is the kind that normally comes to, to people. But God keeps his promise. And he will not allow you to be tested beyond your power to remain firm. At the time you are put to the test, it will give you the strength to endure it. And so provide you with a way out. I don't know what you are going through, my brother. I don't know what you are going through, my sister, right now. I do not know who, off I do not know who offended you right now. I'm really sorry about your situation. And I understand your pain. But Paul speaks about three things. He says, number one, your situation is common. It's common. And sometimes we feel like what we are going through, we are the only ones who are going through that. Paul says, all situations, all experiences are common. Whatever you are going through, it is common. He says, for every test that you have experienced, is the kind that normally comes to people. Your situation, it's common. And sometimes when you are just closed when you have closed yourself in a cocoon or in a room, you feel like you're the only one. You feel like it's only you going through that. But when you start sharing with other people, when you start talking to other people, you realize that they also have the same or similar situations or they have gone through similar situations in their lives. Or they know somebody who has gone through similar situations in their lives. Don't feel like your situation is unique. Your situation is not unique. Other people are going through also. They might have gone through it at different times in their lives. They might have gone through it maybe in a different place or they experienced it with another person. But the Bible says your situation is common. 
is common. So you must open up. You must talk to other people. Don't hide inside yourself. Feel free to share your situation with other people. You'll be so amazed that God will bring people who are there to help you. Yes, of course, it's not everybody that you can share with. But you must be somebody that you trust. Somebody that you know they have your interest at that. Somebody can pray with you. Somebody can share with you. Somebody who knows the scriptures. Somebody who will encourage you. Number two, Paul says, God will not allow a situation that is beyond your strength. Yes, you have enough strength to handle that pain. And the last one, the Bible says, he will give you a way out. I always tell people that all situations are temporal. No matter what you are going through right now, it's a temporal situation. If I may ask you a very simple question. You remember last year, this time, the very same date today, last year, the very same night today, last year. Do you still remember? You remember that problem that gave you sleepless nights? Do, do you remember what you were going through that time? Do you remember that pain that you were going through the very same day last year? Most of you are looking at me like, what? I don't know what you're talking about. Because I can't remember what I was going through last year this time. It means it's no longer that important. That's why you don't even bother remembering it. Every situation, it's temporal. If I can come to you next year, this time, the same day, and ask you, what was bothering you today? Most of you won't even remember. Because all situations are temporal. And God always provides a way out. No matter how dark the night might be, there is one thing that we are all sure of, is that the day will come again. The sun will shine again in the morning. And that's how life is. You might be going through a dark stage of your life right now. But let me assure you, there is always light at the end of the dark tunnel. Paul says in the book of uh, Acts chapter 24 verse 16, he says, This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and man. Paul says he has made a decision that he will not allow anyone to offend him, whether it's man or even God himself. Because there are times when you expect God to do things for you and he may not do it. There are times when you will pray and ask God to do something and he may not do it. And some of us will get offended. People will offend you. God sometimes will even offend you because he may not necessarily answer to your requests as you, as you as you requested them. And it's because God knows better than you do. He knows tomorrow better than you do. He knows the future better than you do. So before he responds to your question, he, to, 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 uh, to your prayer, he first looks at the future. He knows what, is, what best suits you. He knows what is good for you. And Paul says, I will not allow any situation. I will not allow anybody to offend me. In other words, Paul is saying, offense, by the way, is a decision. I can make a decision to be offended or I can make a decision not to, to be offended. It's very interesting. Let me give you this example. Two people can say one thing, the same thing to you, and you take offense at one person, at one of them. You choose to be offended by one person and the other one does not offend you. But all of them have said the same thing. So it's a choice. Offense sometimes, we, we choose how we respond. It's based on our response. And in this series, I want us to look at two men. We'll look at one man today. 
Then in our next meeting, we'll look at the second man. We'll look at these two people who went through almost similar situations. But they responded differently. One responded in the right way, in a positive way, and he was elevated. And the other one in a wrong way, and he died. How you respond to situations will determine the outcome of the situation. Your response to a situation may have generational impact. It may affect your children. It may affect your children's children. It may affect even the generations to come. So you have to be careful how you respond to situations. Remember when Jesus Christ started the ministry, right at the beginning of his ministry, he had a lot of people who followed him. Actually, some estimate that there were more than 5,000 people who started following Jesus when he started his ministry. Right from the beginning of his ministry. So he had a lot of people who were following him. And out of those 5,000 people, he chose 12 and he called them apostles. So he chose 12 apostles out of those many disciples or followers who were following him. Matthew chapter 10 verse 2, it says, these are the names of the 12 apostles. First was Simon, called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, this one was the text collector, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the Zealot, and the last one was Judas Iscariot, the one who later betrayed him. And we're going to focus on the last one, Judas. Judas was the last one to be named. I don't know what happened, but possibly was the last one to be chosen. I, I just imagine when Jesus came to the crowd and he started to appoint one by them, said, you, Peter, come here. And Peter came to the fore and he said, you, come here. And somebody said, me, said, no, 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 not you. The one behind you, Andrew, Andrew, yes, I mean Andrew. Come, come to the fore. And Andrew came. And he said, you, James, come. And he came. And he said, who is that? Is that your brother? Yeah, 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 okay. Can he come also? John, yes, John, come. And he started appointing them one by one, one by one. And finally, everybody, it's, it's like when you, uh, when we were still young, we were still playing them. Uh, the street soccer. You know, what will happen is the guy who owns the ball, he will select his own squad. And he will, he will get the best players first. So everyone will, will wait and say, maybe I'll also be selected. Maybe I'll be selected. And finally he says, and you Judas, come. And he was the last one to be selected. Sometimes when you are the last one to be selected, you feel like it means I do not belong. It means I'm the reject. I'm, I'm the last one to be recognized. Maybe that's how Judas also felt. And another thing that I want us to notice is Judas, he was not coming from the same place that others uh, were coming from. Judas was coming from the southern part of Israel. And all the rest, all the other 11 guys, all the other apostles, they were from the northern part of Israel. Uh, of Israel. So those of you who have been to Israel, you will notice that there are two sections of Israel. There is the northern X section and the southern uh, section. Now, the, the northern section of Israel, the northern part of Israel, 
This is where Jesus' ministry usually took place. Actually, almost he spent almost 80% of his ministry in this area, the northern part of Israel. That's where the uh, Capernaum, uh, the Magdala, the Tiberias, the Saida, all these places, the Cana, and all these places, Nazareth, that's a, that's a town where, where he grew up. So, all these other 11 guys, all these other 11 apostles, they were coming from this area, the, the area of the Galilee region, if I put it that way, the Galilee region. Judas Iscariot, he was coming from this area, the southern part of, of Israel, in the Judea area. So it's quite a distance from here to here. It's a big distance from the southern part of, of Israel to the northern part of Israel. It's quite a distance. So the southern part of Israel, that's where you have uh, Jerusalem. That's where you have Bethlehem. That's where Jesus was born, in Bethlehem. So he was born in Bethlehem, but he grew up in this area, uh, in Nazareth area, in the, in the area or the region of Galilee. So just imagine, here you are, you are the only one from the south. Everybody is from the north. How do you feel when you are with those kind of guys? How do you feel when you are with them? Just imagine how you will feel also. All the disciples were from the north except Judas, who was from the south. All of the apostles except Judas were from the Galilee area. Actually, his name Judas Iscariot. Iscariot is not his surname. It's not his last name. Iscariot, it simply indicates where he came from. It's Judas from Kiriath. He came from a very small area or a small region called Kiriath. That's where he came from. The word Ish, Ish simply means man. So when you say it's Iscariot, it's man of Kiriath. Man of Kiriath. So Judas, he came from a very small area called Kiriath. A very small area called Kiriot. That's where Judas was coming from. If you look at the map of Israel, what you will see is, you will see that the Sea of Galilee, that's where all these other guys were coming from. They were coming from this area. Actually, that's where most of the ministry of Jesus Christ was taking place. And some, uh, some, some scholars say the headquarters of his ministry were in, in Capernaum. That's where Jesus' ministry was. So, this is the area where everybody was coming from. And this is Jerusalem here in the middle. And Judas was coming from Kiriath, from this area here, from a very small uh, village called Kiriath. So you can see, you know, that he was coming from a place that was different from the other people. So this is Capernaum. That's where Jesus spent most of his time. That's where he, he did a lot of the ministry in that area. Capernaum is just at the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Whereas if you look at Jerusalem, Jerusalem is down there, right at the bottom, towards the end, the bottom side of, of, the, of the map of, 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 uh, of Israel. So that's where Jesus was spending a lot of ministry in. But then here we see this man, Judas Iscariot, he was an outsider, if you would put it like that. So Kiriath was a small village on the southern, uh, southwestern extreme of the territory of Judea. When we go back to Matthew chapter 10 verse 4. The Bible says, Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot who also betrayed him. So Judas is always the last one to be mentioned or to be listed. You know, just imagine when, uh, you know, when they have a crusade, when Jesus introduced the disciples, he will start with all the other guys and Judas was the last one to be mentioned. 
or to be introduced. You are always the last one to be introduced. Just imagine when you have a big event and Jesus come up front with his apostles and all of them were introduced first and he was the last one to be introduced. And that's why we say possibly he was the last one also to be chosen. So he felt like he was an outsider. He was from a different tribe. He was from a different, he had a different dialect, different region, maybe different language. He felt not accepted. Maybe they would even make jokes. You know, people who grew up in the Galilee area, they will make jokes just like with you also. People that you came from the same village or people who speak the same language. There are some jokes that you will make that will make sense to you and you will laugh and enjoy. And somebody who is an outsider, who does not come from your area, he may not understand the jokes. He may not understand what you are talking about. Like if you are from South Africa, there are some jokes that are relevant to South Africans. Somebody who is from outside may not understand the joke, even if you try to explain to them. I just imagine, remember in the book of Matthew chapter 17, when Jesus took uh, uh, Peter, James and John to the mountain, and the Bible says, then he was transfigured before them. And when he was transfigured before them, the Bible says, just there they appeared, I mean, there appeared before them Moses, Elijah. And Jesus started to talk to them. I just imagine, maybe when Jesus called Peter, James, and John, he said, let's go to the mountain. Maybe Judas also he asked, can I also come with you? And he received a resounding, no, you cannot come. Only Peter, James, and John can come. When they came back, and they shared their experiences, I imagine how he, how he felt when they told him who they saw. They said, we saw Moses, we saw Elijah. Just imagine, how did Judas feel? How did the other nine feel when they were left? If you're Judas Iscariot, how would you feel? Most of us would be offended. Most of us would be offended. I don't know what happened when Peter walked on water, but just imagine, maybe when Jesus called and he said, come to the water, when he called Peter, maybe Judas also, he said, can I also come? And he said, no, you are not invited. He felt like he was not invited. When Jesus raised Jairus' daughter, the Bible says he invited, he called three disciples, a few of his disciples. Judas was not part of them. He invited some disciples to come with him, and Judas was not invited. How would you feel if you were Judas Iscariot? And finally, we see Judas, he was rebuked in public. In public. In John chapter 12, we, we find a scenario where Jesus was enjoying the Passover with his disciples in Bethany. And while he was there, here comes a woman. And when the woman, that's Mary, when she came, she started to pour a very expensive perfume on Jesus. She poured it on his feet and started to wipe his feet with her hair. And the Bible says the whole house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. And one of his disciples, this is Judas, one of his disciples, the one who was the, the treasurer, Judas Iscariot, who has, later, who has later betrayed Jesus, he objected to that scenario. He said, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? 
I mean, the, the value of the perfume was a, a one year's wage, a one year's salary. Just imagine how I don't know how much you earn, but just take it at your level and say, okay, this is my my annual salary, and you go and buy a perfume, and you broke it, and anoint Jesus, and Judas Iscariot he said, no, 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 this is just a waste. And in verses, the Bible says, I mean, when you look at, uh, I think it's the book of John chapter 12. Verse 6, the Bible says, he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to, to help himself to what was put into it. So he was a thief. He knew that he wanted to, to steal out of it. Verse 7 is very interesting. The Bible says, leave her alone. Jesus replied, I just imagine how Jesus said it. I don't think he said it in a very nice way. He said, oh, Judas, no, leave her alone. Maybe Jesus said, oh, no, Judas, leave her alone. And he shouted and screamed and said, leave her alone. Leave her alone. And he continued to say, it, it was intended that you should have this perfume for the day of my burial. I mean, Judas, you, you will always have the poor among you. But you will not always have me. I wonder how he felt when he was rebuked in public. When he was rebuked in public. When he was rebuked in public. Mark chapter 14 also, you know, it records the same scenario. It records the same scenario. But what I like about Mark chapter, uh, uh, chapter, chapter 13, I mean chapter 14, the Bible says in verse 10, I mean, after Jesus has rebuked him, the Bible says, then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, he left and he went to the leading priest to arrange to betray Jesus to them. In the book of Luke, when he records the same, the same scenario, Luke chapter 22, verse 3, the Bible says, then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. He, he was so offended by that scenario to an extent that he could not take it anymore. He could not take it anymore. He could not take that situation anymore. Judas was offended. His anger was building up throughout the ministry. I mean, he spent three years with Jesus. Right from the beginning, he was not happy with what was going on in the ministry. He felt like other people are favorites. When Jesus rebuked him in public, he could not take it anymore. He said, I'm done with this. He felt like you know, all the disciples did not love him. And he left them. He left the ministry. He abandoned the ministry. And he left even Jesus. This is what offense can do if you're not careful in your life. I mean, this is a man who walked with, I mean, literally walked with Jesus. Unlike you and me who believe in Jesus. He walked with Jesus. He touched Jesus. He talked to Jesus. But he finally, because of offense, he left him. He left the ministry. I mean, he was even selected to be part of the greatest ministry in the history of the universe. But he left it. What does this tell you? What does this tell me? What does this say about you and me? If you are not careful, we may get offended and leave the ministry. And we may even leave the kingdom if you are not careful. 
You could be a Christian for two years. You could be a Christian for five years. You could be a Christian for ten years. You could be a Christian for thirty years. But if you are not careful, offense may push you over the cliff and you leave the ministry. And you leave God. And you leave the kingdom. Judas allowed Satan to influence him. Then he left. And he went to the high priest to betray Jesus. The devil will always push you towards the direction you are already leaning to. I mean, he will make you think and see things that do not exist. Judas convinced himself that nobody loves him. His fellow apostles do not love him. Jesus, the vision bearer, does not love him. That's what he convinced, convinced himself. I mean, how, just imagine, how can you move from a person who follows Jesus, from a person who is a disciple, from a person who is an apostle, you are right at the core of the ministry. You, you, are even, you are the treasurer of the ministry. You move from that level and move and become the opposite, the betrayer of the same Jesus, of the same Lord. Let me say this to you today. You could be offended by your pastor. You could be offended by your wife. You could be offended by your colleagues. You could be offended by your leader. You could be offended by your husband. If you do not deal with it, nothing good will come out of that offense. It will continue to grow until one day you burst. Judas was not from Galilee. He was always the last one to be introduced. He did not participate when Jesus went to the mountain for transfiguration. He did not participate in the healing of Jairus' daughter. And Jesus finally, he rebuked him in public. So Jesus, I mean, Judas was so offended. He was offended and he left and he betrayed Jesus. He was in ministry for three years, but offended. Let me say this, we have a lot of people, we have a lot of pastors, we have a lot of leaders, we have a lot of elders, we have a lot of chorus leaders. We have a lot of MCs who are in ministry but offended. You are offended because somebody betrayed you. You are offended because your pastor said something that you did not expect him to say. And nothing good will come out of that offense. I want you to speak like Paul today and say, I choose not to be offended. I choose not to be offended. Do not be offended in your heart. Do not allow God to offend you. Do not allow people to offend you. Acts chapter 24 verse 16 again. Paul says, This being so, I myself always strive to have a conscience without offense towards men and God. Maybe you are in a relationship where you are offended as I speak right now. Maybe you're offended at your job. You're offended at your school. You're offended in the ministry. You're offended also, it could be by your church. Where are you offended right now as I'm speaking? Are you serving under a pastor or a leader who has offended you? Just like Judas did. He was serving under Jesus, but he was offended. Maybe you're a member of a church that has offended you. That has disappointed you. They did things that you did not expect them to do. Or they did not do things that you, you expected them to do. Unfortunately, if you do not deal with it, 
it will not end well. I want us to pray and ask God to help you. God to heal you. You have to make a decision today that you don't want to be like Judas Iscariot. If you do not deal with your offense, it will not end well. If you do not deal with that situation, it will not end well. You have to find a way to deal with that situation. You have to find a way to deal with that offense. Or else you will be like Judas Iscariot at the end. Or else you will be like Judas Iscariot and betray Jesus. Lose your faith. Lose your faith. Lose your church because of offense. You have to deal with offense in your life. If you do not deal with offense, it will not end well. Offense does not serve you well. Offense is not good for you. Offense does not help you. When you stay offended, when you stay angry, when you stay bitter, it's like you have eaten or you drank poison and you expect the other person to die. Remember, poison is the it's, you know, it, you know, offense or poison is the only, only product, only chemical that, that eats its own container. It corrodes. It eats its own container. If you're not careful, if you're not careful, that offense will destroy you. That offense will destroy your ministry. That offense will destroy your family. That offense will destroy your church. That offense will destroy your organization. You have to be careful that you are not like Judas Iscariot. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you today. We thank you, Lord, for this time. And God, might want to pray for everyone who was able to listen and hear your word today. That God, some are offended by their family. Some are offended by their church. Some are offended by their pastors. Some are offended by their leaders. Some are offended by their children. Some are offended by their wives, their husbands, their uncles. I pray for healing. I pray that God will touch them, O oh God. And I pray that, Father, you help each one of them, O oh God, to make a decision to speak like Paul. I will not allow anybody, I will not allow anyone to offend me.